Hello! Welcome to the Harry Potter Podcast, in which every episode I read a chapter of the Harry Potter book, The Philosopher's Stone. In the last episode, we read Chapter 7, The Sorting Hat. In this episode, we'll be reading Chapter 8, The Potions Master. So let's begin! There, look! Where? Next to the tall kid with the red hair. Wearing the glasses. Did you see his face? Did you see his scar? Whispers followed Harry from the moment he left his dormitory the next day. People queuing outside classrooms stood on tiptoe to look at him or doubled back to pass him in the corridors again staring. Harry wished he wouldn't because he was trying to concentrate on finding his way to the classes. There were 142 staircases at Hogwarts. Wide, sweeping ones, narrow, rickety ones, some that led somewhere different on Friday, some with a vanishing step halfway you that had to remember to jump. Then there were doors that would open unless you asked politely or tickled them in exact the right place. And doors that weren't really doors at all, but solid walls just pretending. It was also very hard to remember where anything was because it all seemed to be moving around a lot. People in the portraits kept going to visit each other, and Harry was sure the coats of the armor could walk. The ghost didn't help either. It was always a nasty shock when one of them glided suddenly through a door you were trying to open. Nearly Headless Snake was always happy to point new Gryffindors in the right direction. But Peeves, the polterologist, was worth two locked doors and a trick staircase if you met him when you were late for class. He would drop waste paper baskets on your head, pull rugs from under your feet, pelt you with bits of chalk, or sneak up behind you, invisible, grab your nose, and screech, Gotcha, conk! Even worse than Peeves, if that was possible, was the caretaker, Argus Filch. Harry and Ron managed to get on the wrong side of him on their very first morning. Filch found them trying to force their way through a door which was unlikely turned out to be an entrance to the out-of-bounds corridor on the third floor. He wouldn't believe they were lost, was sure they were trying to break it on purpose, and was trying to lock them in the dungeons when they were rescued by Professor Quirrell, who was passing. Filch owned a cat, Mrs. Norris, a scrawny, dust-colored creature with bulging lamp eyes just like Filch's. She patrolled the corridors alone, breaking a rule in front of her, but just one toe out of line, and she'd whisk off her Filch. Who'd appear, wheezing two seconds later. Filch knew the secret passages of the school better than anyone, except perhaps the Weasley twins, and could pop up as suddenly as any of the ghosts. The students hated him, and it was the dearest ambition of many to give Mrs. Norris a good kick. And then, once you had managed to find them, there were the lessons themselves. There was a lot more magic, as Harry found out quickly, than waving your wand and saying a few funny words. They had to study the night skies through their telescopes every Wednesday at midnight and learned the different names of stars and the movement of planets. Three times a week they went to the greenhouse behind the castle to study herbology with a little dumpy witch called Professor Sprout where they learned how to take care of 
all the strange plants and fungi and found out what they were used for easily the most boring lesson was history of magic which was the only class taught by a ghost professor Binns had been very old indeed when he had fallen asleep in front of the staff room fire and got up next morning to teach leaving his body behind him Binns droned on and on while they scribbled down names and dates and got Americ the evil and Eurek the oddball mixed up Professor Flitwick, the charm teacher, was a tiny little wizard who had to stand on a pile of books to see over the desks. At the start of their first lesson, he took the register, and when he reached Harry's name, he gave an excited squeak and toppled out of sight. Professor McGonagall was again different. Harry had been quite right to think she was no teacher to cross. Strict and clever, she gave them a talking to the moment they had sat down in their first class. Transfiguration is some of the most complex and dangerous magics you will learn at Hogwarts, she said. Anyone messing around in my class will leave and not come back. You have been warned. Then she changed her desk into a pig and then back again. They were all very impressed and couldn't wait to get started, but soon realized they weren't going to be changing the furniture into animals after a long time. After making a lot of complicated notes, they were each given a match and started turning it into a needle. By the end of the lesson, only Hermione Granger had made any difference to her match. Professor McGonagall showed the class how it had gone all silver and pointy and gave Hermione a rare smile. The class everyone had been really looking forward to was Defense Against the Dark Arts, but Quirrelson turned out to be a bit of a joke. His classroom smelled strongly of garlic, which everyone said was to ward off a vampire he'd met in Romania, and was afraid he would come back to get him one of these days. His turban, he told them, had been given to him by an African prince as a thank you for getting rid of the troublesome zombie, but they weren't sure that believed the story. For one thing, when Samus Finnegan asked eagerly to hear how Quirrell had fought the zombie, Quirrell went to pink and started talking about the weather. For another, they had noticed that funny smell hung around his turban, and the Weasley twins insisted that it was stuffed full of garlic as well, so that Quirrell was protective wherever he went. Harry was very relieved to find out that he wasn't miles behind everyone else. Lots of people had come from muggle families, and like him, hadn't had any idea that we're witches and wizards. There was so much to learn that even people like Ron didn't have much of a head start. Friday was the most important day for Harry and Ron. They finally managed to find their way down to the Great Hall for breakfast without getting lost once. What have we got today? Harry asked Ron as he poured sugar on his porch. Double potions with Slytherins, said Ron. Snape's the head of the Slytherin house. They say he always favors them. We'll be able to see if that's true. Wish McGonagall favored us, said Harry. Professor McGonagall was the head of Gryffindor house, but it hadn't stopped her for giving them a huge pile of homework the day just before. Just then, post arrived. Harry had got to used by this now, but it given him a big shock on the first morning when a hundred owls had suddenly streamed into the great hall during breakfast, circling the tables until they saw their owners and dropping letters and packages in front of their laps. 
Hedwig hadn't brought Harry anything so far. She sometimes flew in to nibble his ear and have a bite of a toast for going to sleep in the owlery with the other school elves. This morning, however, she fluttered down between the marmalade and the sugar bowl and dropped a note on Harry's plate. Harry tore it at once. Dear Harry, it said in a very untidy scroll, I know you get Friday afternoons off, so you'd like to come and have a cup of tea with me around three. I want to hear all about your first week. Send us an answer back with Hedwig. Hagrid. Harry borrowed Ron's quill, scribbled, Yes, please, see you later, on the back of the note, and sent Hedwig off again. It was lucky that Harry had tea with Hagrid to look forward to, because the potion doesn't turn out to be the worst thing that has happened to him so far. At the start of term banquet, Harry had the idea that Professor Snape disliked him. By the end of the first potions lesson, he knew he had been wrong. Snape didn't dislike Harry. He hated him. Potions lessons took place down in one of the dungeons. It was colder here than up in the main castle, and would have been quite creepy enough without the pickled animals floating in jars around the walls. Snape, like Flitwick, started class by taking the register, and like Flitwick, he paused at Harry's name. Ah, yes, he said softly. Harry Potter, our new celebrity. Draco Malfoy and his friends, Crab and Goyle, sniggered behind their hands. Snape finished calling the names and looking up at the class. His eyes were black as Hagrid's, but they had none of Hagrid's warmth. They were cold and empty and made you think of dark tunnels. You are here to learn the subtle science and extract art of potion making, he began. He spoke in barely more than a whisper, but they caught every word. Like Professor McGonagall, Snape had a gift of keeping the class silent without effort. As there is little foolish one-waving here, many of you will hardly believe this is magic. I don't expect you will really understand the beauty of the softly simmering cauldron with its shimmering fumes, the like power liquids that creep through human veins, bewitching the mind and searing the senses. I can teach you how to bottle fame, brew glory, even stop a death, if you aren't the big bunch of dunderheads as I usually have to teach. More silence followed his little speech. Harry and Ron exchanged looks with a raised eyebrow. Hermione Granger was on the edge of her seat, just wait to start proving that she wasn't a tenderhead. Potter, said Snape suddenly, what would I get if I added a powdered root of aspodil to an infusion of wormwood? Powdered root of what to an infusion of what? Harry glanced at Ron, who looked as stumped as he was. Hermione's hand was shot in the hair. I don't know, sir, said Harry. Snape's lips curled into a sneer. Tut, tut, tut. Flame clearly isn't everything. He ignored Hermione said, Let's try again, Potter. Where would you look if I told you to find me a bizarre? Hermione stretched her hand as high as in the air as she would go without leaving her seat. But Harry didn't have the faintest idea what a bizarre was. He tried not to look at Malfoy, Crab, and Goyle, who were shaking with laughter. I don't know, sir. Thought you wouldn't open a book before coming, eh? 
Harry forced himself to keep looking straight into those cold eyes. He had looked through the books at the Dursleys, but did Snape exact him to remember everything in one thousand magical herbs and fungi? Snape was still ignoring Hermione's quivering hand. What is the difference, Potter, between Monkshood and Wolfsbane? At this, Hermione stood up, her hand stretching towards the dungeon ceiling. I don't know, said Harry quietly. I think Hermione does, though why don't you try her? A few people laughed. Harry caught Seamus's eye and Seamus winkled. Snape, however, was not pleased. Sit down, he snapped at Hermione. For your information, Potter, Asphodel is and Wormwood are make a sleeping potion. Power... It is known as the drought of living death. Bizor is a stone that takes the stomach of the goat and will save you from most poisons. As for Mongshut and Wolsey, they are the same plant, which also goes by the name of Aconite. Well, why aren't you copying that down? It was a sudden rummaging for quills and parchment. Over the noise, Snape said, And a point will take you from Gryffindor House for your cheek, Potter. Things didn't approve for Gryffindor as potions lessons continues. Snape put them all into pairs and said to make a simple potion to cure boils. He swept around in his large black cloak, watching them weigh dried nettles and crush snake fangs, criticizing almost everyone except Malfoy, who seemed to like it. He knew that just telling everyone to look at the perfect way Malfoy stood his horned slugs when clouds of acid green smoke and loud hissing filled the dungeon. Neville had somehow managed to melt Seamus's cauldron into a twisted blob and their potion was seeping across the floor, burning holes in the people's shoes. Within seconds, the whole class was standing on their stools while Neville, who had been drenched in the potion, when the cauldron collapsed, moan in pain, as angry red boils sprang up all over his arms and legs. Idiot boy, snarled Snape, clearly clearing the spilled potion away with one wave of his wand. I suppose you added the porcupine quills before taking the cauldron off the fire? Neville whimpered as boils started to pop up all over his nose. Take him to the hospital wing, Snape spat at Samus. Then he rounded on Harry and Ron, who had been working... Next to Neville. You, Potter, why didn't you tell him not to add the quills? Thought he'd make good look if he were wrong, did you? That's another point you've lost for Gryffindor. This was so unfair that Harry opened his mouth to argue, but Ron kicked him behind their cauldron. Don't push it, he muttered. I've heard Snape can turn very nasty. As they climbed the steps out of the dungeon one hour later, Harry's mind was racing and his spirits were low. He'd lost two points for Gryffindor in his very first week. Why did Snape hate him so much? Cheer up, said Ron. Snape's always taking points off Fred and George. Can I come to meet Hagrid with you? At five to three, they left the castle and made their way across the grounds. Hagrid lived in a small wooden house on the edge of a forbidden forest. A crossbow and a pair of galoshes were outside the front door. When Harry knocked, they heard a frantic scrambling from inside and several booming barks. Then Hagrid's voice rang out, saying, Back, Fang, back! Hagrid's big, hairy face appeared in the crack as he pulled the door open. Hang on, he said, Back, Fang! 
struggling to keep a hold of the collar of a numerous black boarhound. There was only one room inside. Hams and feasants were hanging from the ceiling. A copper kettle was boiling on the open fire. In the, in the corner stood a massive bed with a patchwork quilt over it. Make yourselves at home, said Hagrid, letting go of Fang, who bounded straight at Ron and started licking his ears. Like Hagrid, Fang was clearly not as fierce as he looked. This is Ron, Harry told Hagrid, who was pouring boiled water into a large teapot and putting rock cakes onto a plate. Another Weasley, eh? said Hagrid, glancing at Ron's freckles. I spent half my life chasing you twin brothers away from the forest. The rock cakes almost broke their teeth, but Harry and Ron pretended to be enjoying them as they told Hagrid all about their first lessons. Fang rested his head on Harry's knee and drooled all over his robes. Harry and Ron were delighted to hear Hagrid called Filch, that old git. And as far as the cat, Mrs. Norris, I like to introduce her to Fang sometime. You know, every time I go up to the school, she follows me everywhere. I can't get rid of her. Filch puts her up to it. Harry told Hagrid about Snape's lesson. Hagrid, like Ron, told Harry not to worry about it. That Snape liked hardly any of the students. But he seemed to really hate me. Rubbish, said Hagrid. Where should he? Yet Harry couldn't help thinking that Hagrid didn't quite meet his eyes when he said that. How's your brother, Charlie? Hagrid asked Ron. I liked him a lot. Great with animals. Harry wondered if Hagrid had changed the subject on purpose. When Ron told Hagrid about Charlie's work with the dragons, Harry picked up a piece of paper who was lying on the table under the tea cozy. It was a cutting from the Daily Prophet. Gringotts break in latest. Investigations continue to break in at Gringotts on 31st July. Widely believed to be one of the work of the dark wizards or witches unknown. Gringotts goblins today insisted that nothing had been taken. The vault that was searched had been, in fact, emptied the same day. But we're not telling you what was in there, so keep your noses out of it if you know what's good for you, said the Gringotts spokes goblin after noon. He remembered Ron telling him on the train that someone had tried to ro rob Gringotts, but Ron hadn't mentioned the date. Hagrid, said Harry, the Gringotts breaking happened on my birthday. It might have happened while we weren't there. There's no doubt about it, Hagrid. Definitely didn't meet Harry's eyes at this time. He grunted and offered him another rock cake. Harry read the story again. The vault that was searched had in fact been emptied earlier that day. Hagrid had emptied vault 713. If you... Call it emptying, taking out a grubby little package. Had that been what they were the thieves were looking for? As Harry and Ron walked back to the castle for dinner, their pockets weighed down with rock cakes. They'd been too polite to refuse. Harry thought that none of the lessons he had so far had given him as much to think as tea with Hagrid. Had Hagrid collected the package just in time? Where was it now? And did Hagrid know something about Snape that he didn't want to tell Harry? Thank you for listening to me read Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone, Chapter 8, The Potions Master. 
in the next episode, we will be reading Chapter 9, The Midnight Deal. If you have any suggestions or compliments, you can message me on the Instagram of the Harry Potter Podcast, which is on my website, and the website link will be given in the description below. Thank you so much for watching again, and bye!